Joining me today is Laura of Vassalando Quilting. I found her through following some folks that are people who live in Airstream trailers. She and her husband have been traveling and living out of their trailer for six years. So she'll tell a little bit about that story. She's also a quilter and developed her business so that she could have something to support herself while they were traveling the country. Very interesting conversation for a lot of different reasons. I'm so curious and interested in people who make their life living out of an RV and the experience that they have on the road and how they earn their living while they're doing that. She makes incredibly gorgeous quilts. Her business has blossomed to the point where she talks about the fact that they are now looking for a space that's a little bit more permanent to live with a little more room so that she can spread out a bit. Thank you for joining us today and enjoy our conversation. Stories. We all have them. They're the compilation of your journey from where you started to how you ended up where you are today. Titanium Blonde is all about sharing women's stories. The good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, and everything in between all of that. I'm Sherry Eckert. This is Titanium Blonde Talks. And I'd like to know, what's your story? Hello, and thank you for joining me today for another episode of Titanium Blonde Talks. Today, I welcome Laura Preston of Vassalando Quilting. It is a mobile, so we're going to get into that, textile and design studio created and run by Laura. Her handmade quilts, pillows, and canvas goods are inspired by travel, specifically landscapes and resonance with places and aim to refresh and modernize the tradition of craft. So I have to tell you that I originally found Laura on Instagram and I sent her a DM because at the time she was also doing some canvas bags. And I was hoping to have her help me design a new waxed canvas bag to carry my yoga mat in. And I had this crazy idea and she, to her credit, tried her best to come up with something that would work. <laughs> and I loved her honesty and her coming back and saying, Sherry, I just don't think I can do justice for you with this. And in the end, Laura, I have to tell you, I purchased that bag that I was basing the design off of on uh-huh. sale and got it and it didn't work. Oh no. <laughs> So Laura, (laughs) go ahead. I didn't let you down. No, no, I I was so impressed that you took the time to even look at it and then say, you know, I've done everything I can think of and I just don't think I can make this work. So I'm just so, I I knew that I had to tell you that I got that bag. I put my mat in and and it proceeded to promptly fall out of the bag. Oh gosh. Oh no. (laughs) So, So anyway, Welcome, Laura. And will you please tell everyone about this whole lifestyle that you're living? Because I know that you and your husband have created this very mobile lifestyle. Yeah. So so you did a great job at the intro. I feel like I don't even have to tell anyone anything. <laughs> I, I guess February 1st will have been on the road for six years living oh and working. Gosh. I know. I, I can barely believe it. I can't believe it's been that long. I know. So we so we embarked on this year-long road trip in an Airstream trailer in 2013. It was John's idea. He His mom had this Airstream that was sitting in storage and not being used. And he, like, he 
proposed this idea of traveling around the country and I've always loved to travel and I've always wanted to do like a big long road trip exploring the United States and so I was like yes absolutely I would love to so we left New York City we sold all of our things and left our jobs and started traveling and about eight months in, we decided that we would love nothing more than like, it, it became less of a trip and more of a lifestyle. We just totally fell in love with being in a new place every, you know, every couple of days and meeting new people and having all of these new experiences. We decided to keep going. And six years later, here, here, you are. here we are. <laughs> so now, I, I know that your original Airstream, you guys have parked and then you got yourself another Airstream and totally did a gut job and a remodel. After living in your Airstream, your original Airstream for a while, I'm sure that you learned about what worked, what didn't, where you needed, you know, certain things to be tweaked. So tell me a little bit about that process. This was after we settled down in San Francisco for about a year and a half. And we were still living in the Airstream because San Francisco rent is insane. (laughs) We decided, so after a year and a half in San Francisco, we decided we wanted to get back on the road again. And we were going to Texas for the holidays to visit my family. And we have some friends um, outside of Fort Worth nearby who they, they restore and renovate Airstreams for a living. We usually store our Airstream there when we're staying with my parents. And we had him just, we had our friend just kind of like give the trailer once over and make sure everything was looking okay. And he took one look at it and was like, this is not safe to drive anymore. Oh God. Yeah. We, we, we knew we had some problems because it, it is an older trailer. The frame had a lot of rust problems and our subfloor was kind of falling apart and it just it needed like a full gut renovation and a replacement of the trailer chassis and just a lot of work it was i guess it was like the beginning of 2017 when we decided like either we can settle down and get an apartment or we can buy another trailer that is like ready to travel in or we can build a whole new airstream from scratch (laughs) So we decided to go with the hardest, most time-consuming one, and it was it was definitely a process of learning how to do everything from electrical to plumbing to cabinetry. Like, I mean, it's like building a house just right. on a trailer right. frame. It was definitely a process, and we. I'm glad that we had the experience of living in an Airstream before because we knew exactly how we used the space and how we, you know, what we really needed and wanted out of such a small compact space. So we really were able to like build it exactly how we needed it to function. Finished that in April of 2018. It, it's not 100% finished, but it's, 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 <laughs> it's very livable. But yeah, we've been traveling since, since April in the new Airstream, and it's been amazing. Well, well and I, I know, know that you, you just, just got, got back, back from, from a trip to, was it Thailand? Uh-huh. Thailand. Yeah. And that you guys got married, was it last year, 2018? Yes, we got married at the end of April. That was our deadline for the Airstream because we were getting, <laughs> we were getting married out in California and we were like, well, we've got to have the Airstream finished so that we can drive to our wedding. And we did. It worked. 
<laughs> and I know, I think that we talked about this before, mm. but you weren't a quilter previous to making this transition, correct? Right. Um, were you were you even a sewer at that particular point in time? Not really. Um, my mom had kind of, you know, she taught me how to sew buttons and taught me how to use a sewing machine, which was always really scary and intimidating. <laughs> so I, you know, and I kind of like made some clothes like patched together with safety pins and stuff in like middle school. But I, you know, I didn't really have any sewing experience but I was a painter. Ah, okay. So yeah. that's where the, that's where the color comes from for you. Yeah, yeah. I studied I studied painting in college, painted for the years after college and you know when we embarked on our Airstream adventure, I was like, "Oh, I'll have all this time to paint and all this space." But oil painting in a small space <laughs> where you have to move every like 3 or 4 days, like doesn't really work and yeah. it didn't seem like creating something to just hang on a wall didn't really seem like it served a lot of purpose I wanted to find some sort of creative outlet that was also utilitarian so quilts kind of scratched that itch for for all the all the things well and quilts have such a storied history behind them I was a quilter for many years and have oh quilts collected that are made by both my great grandmother and my grandmother. And um, my grandmother's were, although she was the one who taught me how to sew, she did a lot of hers, especially the ones towards the end of her life. She hand stitched all of it. She wow. made the individual blocks and sewed each blocks to get each block together and, you know, did all the hand quilting and the stitching and everything oh because she could then sit at her chair and she gave me her original sewing machine that is an old brother sewing machine that is probably, I want to say, from either the late 1940s or the early 50s and still sews like a dream. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> but I started doing the quilting and I would do all of the machine piecing and then I quilted everything by hand. And boy, mm. that's a lot of work. <laughs> It is a lot of work. It takes some serious patience. <laughs> it does. And and I made a big color blocked Amish design that was really beautiful. That was black and red and purple. Mm -hmm. But the whole thing was covered with hand quilting. And I got about halfway through and went, I can't do this anymore. This is making me a crazy woman. <laughs> Yeah, and then, it you know, so long. <laughs> it, they do take a long time. And but that's part of the appeal to me is that they're handmade. And there's so my daughter has one, a couple other people have some baby quilts. But I just at one point in time, my life started to change and I didn't have the room to store all the fabric and all, you know, everything that there is. So mm -hmm. I just sort of transitioned out of that space. But there's something about the textile of the quilt. And the one that I have from my great grandmother is all pieces of fabric that my mother made me clothing out of, or my grandmother made me clothing out of. Oh, wow. And it's just a crazy patchwork, patchwork quilt that uh -huh. she then did um, cross stitching with embroidery floss around the outer edges and then tied with yarn. So it's not necessarily hand quilted in that way. But so things like that, where you use what you have, you you make do and, and do all of those things were were really what kind of fueled my fire to get into the quilting piece. But yeah. I know that you also now do a lot of design or you probably did design from the very beginning, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've designed all my quilts 
myself and that's one of my it's one of the most exciting parts about it because you like it's really just a blank slate and it can become whatever whatever you want right and then did you did you use youtube to teach yourself how to do all of this or did you take some classes or pretty much like youtube and blog posts and online tutorials i mean it's it's amazing how how much the internet can how much you can use the internet to like really oh, teach yeah. you anything i'm completely self-taught which is which like creates a lot of freedom in like you know what you can do because there's you're not really like bound by the rules of traditional quilting necessarily right, right. but then i also kind of you know i have that imposter syndrome when i interact with other quilters who are traditionally taught or like very accomplished i'm like oh my gosh am i even doing this right <laughs> like it's it can be really, a little i sort of think that there's no right or wrong with a quilt i mean it's it's one of those things where ideally you want it to all stay together especially after you you wash it a couple of times yeah but, um that it's I don't. I just always saw it as sort of a a very free and open way to use fabric and color and design and make it whatever it is that you want it to be. And Absolutely. so, and you bring up an interesting point that I have run across with a lot of other women, including myself, is that imposter syndrome. Am I doing yeah. it right? You know, is someone who's more accomplished that I am going to say, you didn't do that right. Or, you know, like the mean girls in school who stand around, you know, around the corner going, me, 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 me. You know, that stuff. It's amazing how many times we as women have those conversations. I don't think that guys oh, necessarily yeah. have those conversations with themselves no. as much no. as women do. But it's so interesting to me, though, that you didn't let that stop you, that you just had, you jumped off that cliff and just kept going. And here you are today. Yeah, I mean, I haven't let it stop me, but it's definitely been like the greatest source of anxiety and Mm. in pursuing this as a business, especially. I wrote a book this year, a book of quilting patterns, which, you know, requires you to be an expert in your field, which I guess technically I am after doing this for five years and yes. <laughs> you know, doing it full time. But, you know, at the beginning of the process, I was like, who am I to tell anyone else how to quilt when I kind of figured it out all my all myself. But by the end of the process, you know, reading through everything and like kind of realizing I didn't know what I was talking about. I was like, oh, okay. Like, I guess I'm pretty good at this whole quilting thing. <laughs> but everybody had to start somewhere. Somebody, exactly. everybody had to teach themselves how to do this on some level, unless yeah. they were brought up in a home where that's what you did was you learned how to quilt from a young age. But still, it's, I love that going through that process for you showed you just how much you really do know. And yeah. just how much you have in terms of knowledge and the capacity to be able to convey that to somebody else. So when does your book come out? It comes out um, August of 2019 of this year, I guess. So yeah. we've got eight ish more months. And about seven is seven. all. Oh, gosh. Sorry, the end of it's January. almost it's almost February, <laughs> oh, actually. <man>. So. <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty soon. It's yes. very exciting. 
<laughs> so how did the book come about? Did a publisher reach out to you? Did you find a publisher? How are you self-publishing? How are you how are you working with that? Yeah, so a publisher actually reached out to me. They found my work on Etsy of all places and liked the style and thought that it would resonate really well with a with a I guess an untapped audience of people who wanted to learn how to quilt. I feel like the style that I've developed over the past couple of years is fairly unique and it's pretty large scale piecing so the designs are fairly simple and not that time consuming which (laughs) I also appreciate (laughs) um so yeah they asked me if I wanted to write a book and I could not turn that offer down well (laughs) congratulations with with all of that and birthing that baby and and bringing it through to fruition. That's, Thank you. That's an accomplishment. That's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, it was it was quite the process. <laughs> well, and I know we were just talking about your trip, and I right. couldn't believe that you didn't get to bring back more fabric because I was yeah. thinking, oh, Laura's going to just buy all of this really great fabric. But in hearing that you guys were traveling light and not wanting to be overloaded by fabric, I'm it's sure. Perfect. So I'm assuming that you have some sort of designs in mind for the pieces that you did bring home with you. I wish I could say yes. <laughs> but Well, and I know you've been making more clothing items too. So yeah. maybe you'll make some clothes out of some of what you brought home too. Yeah, it's... With, I have such a hard time with fabric that's so special, like, you know, something that you buy on a trip that's, you know, you can't replace it easily. Right. Cutting into that is so (laughs) high pressure that I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it yet. But whatever I do, it's going to be, it's going to be good. But to to be determined. (laughs) Are you guys back in Texas right now after your trip? Yes, we are. So we were here for the holidays and then I we have two dogs and a cat. So my parents watched them while we were away and in a week we get back on the road and head towards Nashville for QuiltCon, the modern quilting convention. Oh, um, great. Yeah, it's at the end of February. So Are are you speaking or exhibiting or just going a- to hang out? I have a quilt in the show, great, um, which is very exciting. And then taking some work, uh, not any workshops, but there's a bunch of lectures that round tables. Yeah. Which, which I'm really looking forward to. It's a great, like, it's so inspiring and it's great to meet like the other quilters in the modern quilting world. And I'm, I'm super excited for it. I know that you are doing more of the design work and less of the everyday creation and so when did that transition kind of happen for you that you started working with someone else to help you make the designs into reality after mm-hmm. you were doing most of the design work? Yeah, did that happen so- in 2018 or was it before that? I can't remember. It was a little bit before that. In 2017, I had a couple of really large orders that I just could not do myself. So I worked with a couple of quilters that I was connected with on Instagram and they, I did the piecing and they did the quilting and just kind of worked with them on like a contract basis just to help out with production as needed. And then... At the beginning of 2018, a woman in Ohio reached out to me. She had followed me on Instagram, and she had worked in like the um, like in, like bridal alterations. Oh and wow! Been quilting for years, and we started chatting about working together. And she did a little bit of work for me, and just she does amazing work. She's super fast and very efficient, and like it's very she's a perfectionist which I am not 
So <laughs> it works out great. I understand um, that. <laughs> yes. I was getting to a point where I realized that I could only do so much myself in terms of production. And production isn't what I'm really passionate about. Like making the same quilt over and over, over again and over. Yeah. just doesn't really like doesn't uh, do anything so that, for me. That was, that was going to be my next question because as a jewelry designer, that's part of the reason why I never really went into production mode was because mm-hmm. to make the same piece over and over and over again was just, then it would become like work instead of art or creation or a passion. Exactly. Exactly. And I, it was a hard thing to decide between, you know, like doing a collection where I was, you know, making the same thing over and over again, or if I was going to do one of a kind work where I was always, always having to like make new work. And I decided that having, being, being able to do that production of like quilts over and over was, it wasn't, making how am I trying to say this (laughs) my creativity was like less stressed because of that oh okay yeah like no right you didn't have to keep coming up with a new design over and over and over and over again exactly and I'm not sure if that if that's the way that I work best also like I I really love putting together these like cohesive collections based on specific places and then having that be out in the world and made in multiple sizes and colors and all of that. So it's all been kind of experimentation and trying what works best. And if it doesn't work, then trying something else. And, you know, that's kind of what business is all about, right? (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is indeed. (laughs) Let's tap back into your journey with the Airstream Mm -hmm. and your experience. I mean, you've been doing this quite a while with some time out where you, I know you guys have lived in bricks and mortar in between your journeys out on the road. I knew that you guys had animals. I couldn't remember how many dogs you had, but I did know that you did have at least one dog and a cat. So how mm-hmm. do you, how does the cat do with all of this? I mean, the cat's always in his own space. He's not a huge fan of like the, the traveling between places, <laughs> yeah. but he, I mean, he has his spot. He enjoys it. He always wants to go outside which is a little... Yeah, I was going to say, how do you handle that? (laughs) If we're in a place that isn't super car heavy, like if we're like out in the forest somewhere with no one around, like we'll let him out and he kind of wanders about but doesn't stray too far. But if we're like in a campground where there's a lot going on, like we just leave him inside. But I've had him since my college days in New York City. Oh my goodness, yeah. So he's always been like an apartment cat. So, An indoor cat, yeah. Yeah, so it's he's he's used to it. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you guys have done spaces where you've gone and stayed in like a, a campsite or a space where you can pay to be there, but you've also done some boondocking where you just kind of pull over and, and do your thing. Do you have mm-hmm. solar in your Airstream or no? We do, yes. We have solar, we have a composting toilet, and we have like a big lithium battery that we use. We are capable of doing off the grid camping, but we don't quite have enough solar power. Like we don't have enough solar panels to like really like power us for like a full week of camping. Right, right. And we've just found that camping in a campground is just more convenient in terms of having water and unlimited sewer power. power. Like it's just less, it's just one less thing to worry about when we're both 
working a regular work day. You know, you don't want to have to worry right. about like, oh, am I going to run out of water? Juice to be able to run the sewing machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, boondocking is amazing, but for how we work and live, it's just more convenient to, to be in a camp. Well, I grew up as a kid in Oregon. We spent most of every summer camping up and down the Oregon coast. Oh, I and love the Oregon coast. We, you know, I, as a kid, I, st we started out tent camping and then we mm -hmm. upgraded to a tent trailer. We never had a, a full on trailer. It's one, you know, most of those campgrounds along the Oregon coast are so beautifully maintained mm -hmm. and there's plenty of space. And a lot of them are either right on the beach or within walking distance of being on the beach. And yeah. so I have so many fantastic memories of spending time doing that. And I've started to follow more people that do, are doing exactly what you guys are doing is mm -hmm. on the road with some sort of an RV, whether it be a trailer, whether it be a fifth wheel, whether it be a motor home and, you know, and living their lives that way, sometimes with multiple children. And yeah. I don't know how they do that <laughs> with going absolutely crazy, but it's an interesting lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And do you find that there's anything that you miss a lot while you're on the road doing that in particular? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's definitely changed a lot over the past six years. When, like, when we first started living this way, there was not a lot of other people our age right. doing it. And Instagram was less popular and there was less people kind of broadcasting their life through social through social media. I like that word broadcasting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is. It totally is now. You know, since we've been back on the road since April, we've like just noticed it, it has exploded. Like there's so many more people. Like campgrounds are constantly booked. It's yeah. been more of a struggle to find, find places to park. Yeah, exactly. So just like, you know, having things like that in addition to daily life, like having to figure out where we're going to camp next week is kind of just one extra thing to have to organize. And, you know, we've missed like kind of having a community and like regular friends that we can meet up for, you know, a hike or drink right. or whatever. So we're actually, I haven't, I haven't like broadcast this to the internet yet, but Ooh, I'm getting a scoop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we are actually going to be moving to Austin in May. Oh, you um, are? Mm hmm. Yeah. So we, you know, we've been since we've been back on the road and since April, I mean, we've kind of been trying to figure out if we want to stay on the road or if we want to settle down somewhere. And with the business and with like, you know, having interests and other like hobbies that require being in one place, being in one place has just started to make more sense. And we. So you guys gonna you gonna live in the trailer for a while, or are you gonna just? move into a, a bigger space we're gonna live in the trailer for for a little while while we find like a house right to rent place. just because we want a little bit more space and we've done the whole like living in the airstream in you know in one place in san francisco right and I, living in a RV park isn't as glamorous as traveling <laughs> in an RV and, you know, being able to like move if you don't like your neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So yeah, you know, it'll be a, a new exciting chapter and I'm really, what, I'm looking forward to it. What made you decide on Austin? Oh gosh. It's been like a back and forth between like tons I mean, because you guys have been a whole lot of places in yeah, the last yeah. years. So. It was really hard to narrow it down. But Austin has like the right combination of the outdoors and a creative culture and a, a tech culture, which my, my husband works in tech and great food and lots, lots like going on in the city and around the city. Plus it's close to fam- like our family and friends who are here. So Austin kind of fit the bill for all the things we wanted and it'll be exciting. <laughs> so you're in, into a transition space again, which is, that's really great. I mean, yeah. you guys have, you guys are sort of the OGs of the be on the road full time living yeah. out of your RV and to be able to now, you, you still, I mean, I'm assuming you're going to hold on to the trailer so you guys can head oh, out yeah. whenever you want to and go and do your thing. And definitely. I mean, the ideal, the ideal situation would be to establish a home base to where we could be there for part of the year and then travel for part of the year so we'll just have to kind of see how that works and you know get get the home base established first and then go from there but so you're starting out in memphis and then where are you going we'll be kind of traveling through tennessee possibly go up to kentucky because we haven't been there yet and then we're stopping through I think this is all tentative, <laughs> um, but Asheville, Atlanta, Savannah, visiting some family in St. Augustine and West Palm Beach down in Florida, and then heading back to Texas by May. So, so. You're, doing the, you're doing that Southern kind of a sweep. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while since we've been over there, and John's mom lives in West Palm Beach, so pay a little visit to her and head back to Texas. where are some of your favorite places that you guys have been to over the last six years it's such a hard question (laughs) the whole west coast is really incredible and it's it's in terms of like rv like traveling in an rv there's just lots of like open spaces and the state parks are amazing i mean all of california is incredible because you have the beach and you have mountains and you have desert and you have forest like i mean it's a huge state but it's It's all so beautiful. But we also went up to the Pacific Northwest. This you guys time. were up in my neck of the woods. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was amazing. We were in Bend, which was beautiful, and yes. Portland for a little while, and went up to the Olympic Peninsula. Which, yeah. Yeah. Like, blew me away. The oh, isn't it gorgeous there? Oh, well, you know, I live, so I live on an island outside of Seattle. So, I'm in Kitsap County over on this side of the water, but yeah. it's interesting because where I live, I'm between two different mountain ranges. So we've got the Cascades on one side and the Olympics mm-hmm. on the other. And it's unbelievable the amount of things that there is to go and do around here. The oh my gosh. Yeah. And the water and the Puget Sound and the ocean. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, and then there's the whole eastern side of the state, which of course is more dry and, and arid. So you're going to get a little bit different experience there too, which is some Oregon's kind of the similar way. Bend is much drier. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, and you get the snow in the wintertime there. But, you know, I've only ever lived, well, I lived in Utah for a very short period of time. 
but I've only ever lived in Oregon and Washington. And it's like, I go to other places and they're really gorgeous. And then I go, I get to go back home. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, believe me, like Portland and Bellingham were at the top of our move. To were they? It. Yeah. Yeah. I'm from Texas. So yeah. like thinking like the, the dry or the, the wet winters, I don't yes, know. That, that can be that can be hard for people. It is it it can be very wet and gray here. Yeah, but it's uh, but it's just so gorgeous. Like it's so green. So green. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was amazed at how green everything was. It's so yeah. so beautiful. Yeah, it it's rare. I mean, there are a few times when we've had some some particularly dry summers when it gets a little less green, but for the most part, it's it's pretty green here year round. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yes, there is you do have to put up with the the gray and the wet and all of that. <laughs> <laughs> worth it, worth it. <laughs> yes. Who or what has been the biggest inspiration in your life? Oh, man. I mean, traveling. Is, okay. Has, Good. I like that. Has been just the biggest inspiration, and I feel so grateful that I've gotten to do so much of it in the past six years. I mean, just like new places and new landscapes and new cultures and new people. Like that's just that newness, just kind of like sparks new ideas. So that's been, I'd say that's been the biggest inspiration in terms of my in terms of my work. What does balance look like in your life? Oh, something that I'm always working on. <laughs> You're not alone there. Whenever, every time I ask this question, I kind of get a variation on the same sort of feeling behind it is no. that it's something that is very fluid. There's sometimes when life is more imbalanced than others. And then I had one woman say, I don't think I have any balance, Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely like, you know, there's definitely the busy times and the slow times. And, you know, this past year has been crazy between spending all of our free time building an airstream to getting married, to traveling, to writing a book. Like, I was going to say writing a book. And uh, I mean, yeah. And then like either. working, you know, working right. all of that time. So you had a busy 2018. Yeah. So this year I'm working on balance and being in Thailand for two weeks, like really reminded me that like not working is a very good thing and like yes. creates a lot of space for creativity and not feeling like you're always like having to react to something. Right. So I'm trying to work in like more, more yoga, more meditation, more like body movement and also like well, reading and because sorry. quilting is a very you know you're you're sitting when you're sewing and doing all that you're spending a lot of time sitting so yeah. while that exercises your creative muscle it doesn't necessarily do a whole lot for your body so exactly and you know the sitting and repetitive motion like you your body gets really sore so and and just you know sedentary so like keeping your body active and strong, like makes your like studio practice a lot stronger as well. Yeah. I've noticed. Well, and it keeps you injury free. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the biggest thing that uh, you want to try and avoid. I'm sure. Yeah. If you could have a giant billboard with any phrase, what would it be and why? <sighs> oh, this is really cliche <laughs> and it's already been taken by a giant company but I've always, so it would be just do it. Okay. Nike stole it from me, but that's okay. 
<laughs> but it's just, it's one of those things where like, you know, when you're faced with a decision, you get all, you know, like all of the anxieties and like what ifs and, you know, the waffling, like, oh, should I do it? Should I not do it? Right. Like that can so cloud just the fact that you just need to like, just do it. Just right. like, there's not going to be a right time. There's not, you're not going to ever feel ready. Like you just need to do it. If it's something that you really like want and value and like care about in your life, like just do it. <laughs> I love it. That's perfect. And, and Nike, you're on record as having stolen that from Laura. So take care of that. I can't, okay? I can't wait to get a, an email from Nike. <laughs> Sorry, Nike. Where, you guys had it first. <laughs> where do you feel most present? Um, probably being, being outside, moving my body, like, doing yoga. I've gotten really into yoga in the past like year or two. It's helped a ton with literally uh, all the things you yes. know. <laughs> yes. But yeah, like not thinking about all of the to-do lists and all that, like just being present in your body and it's so important. Enjoying. It really is so important. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I'd say that's where I feel most present. I love that. When negative emotions arise, how do you deal with them? Oh, that's a that was a tough one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I listen to them, you know, I like I acknowledge that they're there, but I try not to take them too seriously because there's usually like some sort of external reason or internal reason behind those negative emotions, but they aren't necessarily like telling you the truth. You know, so do you look at it more of what is it that's triggering this emotion rather than being sort of trapped in the emotion? Yeah, like, you know, when I'm feeling cranky or like irritable, I'm like, am I just hungry? <laughs> like, am I being hangry right now? <laughs> I should probably go eat something before it gets worse. <laughs> or like, you know, with the imposter syndrome, you know, which I feel that way, like, a lot of the time it's like, am I, do I really not know what I'm doing or is it just my insecurities like being rude and like telling me lies, you know? I, I call that the mean girl, the inner mean girl, right? Yeah. She, she totally. wakes up and starts saying all the shitty stuff that nobody else is saying, but for some reason right. it, it gets that conversation going in your head and then it's so easy to fall into the trap of believing that or that it starts to create that little space of self-doubt that then blossoms and gets bigger. And you're like, wait a minute, what the hell happened here? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's definitely that like, it's that blossoming that like, I try not to let happen, you know, like you obviously hear it, like it happens. You can't, Yes, it's yeah. like, that, that, that's a harder thing to suppress. Yeah. Um, but it's but it's like it's getting carried away with it and and believing it whereas like you know you have to like take like take a step back and be like is this really what's going on or like is it just my mean girl being mean <laughs> so that segues into this is what is something that you think more women need to understand in their lives i think a lot of women i wrote things down for this because you you gave me the questions before, which I'm so grateful for because I would have no answers to any of these if I had it. <laughs> but I think that 
Oh my gosh, where did it go? I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, no, take your time. I think, I mean, if the past six years have taught me anything, it's that like we are like more capable and more brave than we think we are. And we really have a lot of agency in our lives that, I don't know, it's easy to like get comfortable and feel like you can't change anything in your life because it's too hard or too uncomfortable or what if it doesn't work like work out or whatever but I don't know like those like scary uncomfortable changes like is what makes you grow and what makes your life rich and it's the hard stuff that is like is so worth it so those are those the hard stuff when you move through that and even if it is something that seems like it's a fail or a mistake, you still take away huge amounts of self-knowledge. Absolutely. All of that. And if nothing else, then to learn that you, that's not something you want to repeat. Yes. Sometimes we have to repeat those same things over and over before we realize that we don't need to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. But I, I love your comment about the agency that we have in order to do those things and to get stretch ourselves outside of those comfort zones. Mm-hmm. Those comfort zones, I think, sometimes become barriers, right? We, we bump oh, yeah. up against those walls of comfort and go, I don't want to go any further than that because I'm real happy Scary. just right here. Yeah. But it can be at the same time very limiting. I think it creates that boxed in sort of space where we we willingly keep ourselves there and then wonder why we're not happy or we're not we don't feel challenged or creative or whatever it is. Yeah, and it's because tough. Yep. And taking that comfort for something that is is a good thing where I think sometimes in order to stimulate your creativity, your thought process, your intelligence, that you need to force yourself to go outside of those, those comfort spaces that that's such a great way to word it is, you know, being trapped in those spaces of comfort. They don't, they don't help you grow. Yeah. They just sort of keep you soft. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> What's most on your mind these days? Um, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about my intention for 2019 is to create more space for creativity, which is something which seems silly because like my job is to like design quilts and like create things. It getting so caught up in like the day to day of running a business like doesn't really allow for like a whole lot of like play and creativity and just kind of like doing something for fun. And so I've been thinking a lot about how to how to make that happen more this year, which you know, like working that into like your daily routine is harder than it harder than it sounds. (laughs) But I also like I'm always thinking of ways to like grow Vasilando and expand it beyond quilts to keep things interesting and new and fresh and, and fresh yeah and you know keep my interest as well like I get bored easily and don't like yeah, doing the same too. things over and over again <laughs> um, so You're not, are you a Gemini by any chance no I'm not but oh. my, my sister is. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Gemini. And the thought of having to do the same thing the same way over and over and over is like a slow death for me. Yes. I mean, that would just be torturous. I, I can't imagine doing that. Yeah. You know, something that I found so useful at 
one point in time when I was creating jewelry more than I am now was that a, a jewelry designer and teacher said to give yourself between 50 and a hundred dollars a week or a month or whatever it is in your process that you want to in materials to sit down and teach yourself something new, mm. not because you're going to, with the intent of selling it or, or doing anything other than to learn a new technique, learn a new mm. process, try and recreate a design that you saw that sparked interest or whatever it was. And that was one of the most freeing and creative fueled things that I ever have heard in terms of just give yourself the permission to, to take that amount of, of materials and do whatever, right? Just sit down that. and it may be a success and it may not be, but you're going to learn something along the way. Yeah. And that's been one of the best things I've ever done. And, and there have been times where it's like, Ooh, I can't give myself that, that amount of money to spend you know, <laughs> on something that I'm not going to either give as a gift or sell. But those are some of the times when I found uh, the most creative expression and mm -hmm. the ability to give myself permission to learn something new without there having to be an ultimate goal at the end of it. Yes. I, I had a similar experience with that same concept in, it was after we finished the Airstream and, you know, we took, I took time off for my wedding and I was, after that, I was, I had like complete like creativity block. Like I, I had no desire to quilt. I had no, like no desire to like do anything, like anything creative. Like I was totally stuck in a rut and it was like kind of scary because when your life, you know, when your job is creativity, like you can't be stuck. Stagnant. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I did the same thing where I started like making garments for myself. Like I, I watched, I watched you go through that process and I thought that was really great for you to just sort of experiment with something new. Yeah. It was really, I mean, it like totally got me unstuck, which is great. But at the same time, like I learned new techniques and, you know, it kind of like re sparked my interest in sewing and creating things and, the fact that I was just doing it for myself and had no intention of like turning it into like a product or something that right, I made for right. someone else. Like it, it's just, I mean, it's like a form of self care, which everyone needs, but yes. especially <laughs> us, us business owners. <laughs> and two, I mean, you, the life that you're, that you're living on the road like this and, and you live where you work and work where you live. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's very hard to find that space of it's the end of the workday and now everything has to shuffle and move so that we can go into living space mm -hmm. mode. And since you guys are, are both working from your, your mobile lifestyle, mm -hmm. that can, I'm sure that can sometimes you're, you're bumping up against that going, you know, the boundaries are really kind of blurred here. And yeah, I mean, we, we knew that that was an issue going into designing the new the new airstream, um, right? Because with a, with the old airstream, my workspace was also like our dining table, so I really had to put everything away at the end of the day and couldn't just like leave anything out. So in our new one, we like created a dedicated desk space, so I can always just leave everything out, and I don't have to like it's not a dual purpose space, which is. Right. Which has been great. But yeah, it's but but still it's easy to just 
keep working after dinner or whatever and like work especially with the book and you know regular work like it's like well I can just work all day and all night (laughs) which is (laughs) terrible like that's you know you have to have some boundaries and create like a hard hard stop hard stop yeah um so that's what I'm I'm gonna try and work on that this year (laughs) well and and your your lovely trip to Thailand in the two weeks to just sort of be able to check out and experience the culture. And I loved watching your stories about the food and oh my gosh. all the of the, you know, your the, the little boat trips that you took on the river and all of the, the sites that you saw. And then I kept waiting. He's like, when is she going to find fabric? <laughs> to find some fabric. When is she going to show me some fabric? <laughs> oh, I found it. I found it. All right. <laughs> I know <Yeah>. you did. <laughs> yeah. So Laura, will you please tell everyone where they can find you? Yes. So you can go to my website. Um, it's www.vasilandoquilting, which is, it's V-A-C-I-L-A-N-D-O quilting.co. No, no M. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram at Vasilando Quilting. And that's where I, that's where I share most of my stuff is on Instagram. Right. So. And I'm assuming that on your website, when your book is live and ready for sale, that you'll tell everybody where they can find it in all of, I'm assuming it'll be oh, on, yes. at Amazon and okay. Good. Yep. It'll be, you know, anywhere books are sold on, probably on my website as well. So I'll, I'll make sure everyone everyone will hear about it. <laughs> now, are they doing it in a digital version as well as the the hard copy? I believe so. Yes. Okay. I'm not a hundred percent, but I'm pretty sure. So okay. still, still working awesome. out all the details. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for making the time to talk with me and coming back from your vacation and moving through all of those time zone changes <laughs> and everything <laughs> to be here today. Oh, I really okay. appreciate your time. And I, you know, I've been following you, I think almost since the beginning, maybe not quite oh, wow. um, when mm-hmm. you guys first started going, but I would say probably at least five years, four or five years, something like that. I'm so, so glad. <laughs> when I was putting together this whole process of reaching out to women that inspired me to do these interviews, I was like, I have to get Laura because not only does Aww. she do this great thing with her quilting, but I just am so curious about your lifestyle and, and your traveling and all of that, that it's it's a very different way. And I think that not everybody necessarily always understands all of the the pluses and minuses of all of that and like I said you guys are kind of the OGs of the the being out on the road living out of your your trailer so I'll be curious to see what happens when you find your home base and how all of that expands out from there but again thank you so much for joining me I'm so glad you were here today thank you so much it was such a such a pleasure to talk to you (laughs) all right I'm sure we'll be talking soon (laughs) yes definitely (laughs) 